Okay, so last week we talked, we started a series called Toxins. Um, we are talking about how to get rid of the, the things that poison our bodies. You need to go back if you weren't here and just listen to that whole message. Um, I try to do a recap every week in case you're here for the first time and you're like, Toxins, that's a weird series title. So let me just try to briefly do this. This month in January, a lot of people are going to the gym for the first time. A lot of people are starting to diet for the first time. A lot of people are cutting out certain foods. They're trying to replace it with exercise. They're doing a lot of things. Most of them won't make it to February. And what we learned last week is that the detox products, not counting detox from alcohol and drugs, just physical dietary detox, that um, industry is going to be $75 billion worldwide in 2026, which is only two years away. And again, if you spent money on that, I'm sorry. But what I taught you last week and what I learned from experts, this isn't me making this up, is that um, nutritionists who know their stuff have come out and said there is absolutely no benefit in any of that. That a healthy body detoxes itself. Which is why you poop, you pee, you sweat. I'm detoxing right now, right? It's why this is, this is how the body eliminates the things that aren't good for it. And so if, if we would actually eat the right things, get enough sleep, and exercise, I'm not saying any of this to make anybody feel bad if you don't do any of those things. We would, we, would be, we would not need to detox. So what I said last week and suggested was that what we, can, what we know about the physical body, I think, can translate into what we learn about the spiritual body because Paul compares the church to the body of Christ. And so a healthy church body does not need special services, camp, convention, highlighting moments with God in order to detox, we do need those things. That's part of a healthy rhythm in a church. There's nothing wrong with those special services. But too often, we, we take in so much junk spiritually, and then we come to church and expect to have a five-minute moment at the altar that purifies us of all that stuff. And that's not any different than the detox culture. So what we want to do in this series is kind of attack that, but in a good way. Like, listen, y'all, how can we re get rid of the toxins and replace them with health? And here's why. Because Psalm 126, I told you this last week, I feel like God told me this is a psalm that is prophetic for, I think, the whole church in America, but I know it's prophetic for our church. This is what he wants to do and is going to do in our church this year. I'm going to read it to you, then we'll jump into our second week. Psalm 126 says this, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, and I told you last week that the Hebrew phrase for restored the fortunes of Zion can also mean when the Lord restored the captives of Zion. I asked you this question last week. How many of you right now are praying for somebody that you know that is a captive? Right? He says, when the Lord restored the captives of Zion, we were like those who dream. In the Hebrew, it means we were like those who were restored to 
health. Y'all, the body of Christ has been sick for a while. And this is the year that the Father wants to restore us to health. And here's what it looks like when we are healthy. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy. They said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are joyful. Restore our captives, Lord, like water courses in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. Though one goes along weeping, carrying the bag of seed, he will surely come back with shouts of joy, carrying its sheaves. A lot of us have sown in tears. It's cost us something, and this is a year that we're going to reap in joy. Because God wants us to be healthy. We were just talking before church. Sometimes it, it, it doesn't mean the bigger a church gets, the less healthy it is. Right? But can I just submit this? If you and I just keep growing physically, nobody's applauding that. They're taking us to the hospital. Right? Something's wrong. There's a limit. There's a place where we stop growing. I think the place for churches to start considering have we gotten too big is are we no longer healthy? I don't want to do anything else in our church if it, if it puts health at risk. Right? If there's a way to grow larger and stay healthy and relational, then we're all for it. But what God's after is health. We were like those whose health had been restored. We were marked by joy. We found a way last week, we talked talk about this, the healthy mind can return to joy in 90 seconds. An unhealthy mind, it can take weeks, months, I suggested years, maybe a life. We've got to learn how to get back to joy. So last week, we talked about the toxin of inputs. You know, what are we putting in our lives what, what influence is in our life, and how can we replace that, right, with, what, with just trusting what the Lord has said. This morning, I want to talk about insufficiency and inadequacy. I'm sure this will relate to nobody. Um, I don't, do, do people write checks anymore? Okay, some of you do. I don't know. I, I, I don't write a lot of checks anymore. Um, I kept bouncing them, so I just quit. <laughs> Don't raise your hand, y'all. But as I was thinking about insufficiency, I thought if you've ever tried to learn, if you've ever started budgeting, like I know in our, in our marriage, when we really got serious about budgeting, it was because I had gotten these letters from our bank that that said something, something like, you don't have enough money, so we took more. You ever gotten those letters? Like, yeah, and it lists all the checks you wrote that they couldn't cover, you, you couldn't cover. And then they said, but we're going to take care of it, and also we're going to take like $35 for each of those checks. And I remember reading it going like, wait, okay, I didn't have the money for the checks I wrote. My bad. But now I'm out you know, like five or six or seven times 35, uh, clearly don't have the money for that. And you clearly know that. You're the bank. 
If you've ever experienced insufficiency in your account, you can, you'll kind of have a feel for where we're going. Um, we went on a trip. I think it was like our one year, close to our one year anniversary, we went to Charleston, South Carolina, because that's the best place. Wow. Three, three godly people in the room. It's awesome. And so we didn't have any money. Um, well, we had limited money, so we, we, we had to really budget it, make sure we only spent what we could spend. So I had, I had made all the arrangements because I'm that kind of guy. That's why this is going to be a train wreck story because <clears throat> I've made all the arrangements. So I had um, I, you know, reserved our hotel. We get to Charleston. We walk in. We're checking into the hotel. They asked if they could have a credit card you know, to cover the charges, and I was like, absolutely, whipped it out, gave it to them. They made a copy of it. We put our stuff in the room, and then we went out to go downtown Charleston and just, like, shop or whatever, hang out. So I went to the ATM to get out the money that we had saved. I think it was $300. We had saved $300. Wouldn't you love to go back to a time when you could go to Charleston for a weekend and spend $300? It's probably not even a day anymore. Anyway, so I, I get my card out. I put it in. I, I do the whole pin thing. And it said insufficient funds. And I was like sweating. Oh, I'm sweating now. It's crazy. Um, like, because I didn't want her to know. Because, again, I'm the one that has always messing this stuff up. And so I, I tried it again. Insufficient funds. I tried it again. It did it, nothing. We had no money. And then I had to tell her, like, babe, we have no money. But we have money. I know we have that money. I just don't know how to get that money and I don't know why I can't get that money and what we found out was that I had given the hotel my debit card see the groan that little bitty groan right there some of you are old enough to remember that if you gave them your debit card they would they would hold like three or four times the amount and you couldn't access that money just in case you were trying to rip them off if you're here and you work in the hotel industry I love you I don't understand that right why would you cause panic for people but whatever and so we couldn't get to that money thankfully we had a little bit of money in savings i think we pulled that out we had the whole the whole we didn't have to go back home but i remember the panic i felt like what do you mean i don't have enough how can i not have enough i thought i had enough and i want to talk this morning about how sometimes we feel that in our walk with jesus turn to second corinthians chapter Two. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. While you're turning there, I'm going to give you the big spoiler alert for the message. Here we go. If you're taking notes, write this down. We feel insufficient. The reason that we feel insufficient is because we are insufficient. That's it. It's the whole thing. Am I going to talk longer? Yes, absolutely. Let me give you some scripture, but that's it, y'all. The reason that you and I feel insufficient is because we actually are insufficient. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. He's been talking about um, preaching. He says, like, we smell like life to some people. We smell like death to others. And he says, to the one, we are an aroma of death. To the other, we are an aroma of life. Who is adequate for these things? 
Who is adequate? And in the, the, the Greek word for adequate is who's enough? Who is enough for this? Basically, Paul said, every time I step into a room and I start to speak, I've divided the crowd into two groups. One group loves me. Thank you. And one group hates me. I'm not saying you hate me, but just for the illustration. And he's like, who can, do th- who can live like this? Who is enough for that? Who's adequate for that task? He goes on a few verses later in chapter 3. Chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. Verse 5 is the one that I want you to, to highlight. He says this, Such is the confidence we have toward God through Christ, not that we are adequate in ourselves. Turn to the person next to you and say, You're not enough. See, the reason why he didn't say that loudly is because culture is convincing you that you are. Culture is convincing you that you are enough. I, I'm, enough, I'm enough for me. I don't need anybody else. I am enough. And Paul says we are, we are not adequate in ourselves. We are not. There's not an enoughness in me. So as to consider anything as having come from ourselves. But our adequacy, our enoughness is from God. Who also made us adequate enough as servants of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life the listen to this statement we feel the anxiety of insufficiency when we see ourselves as the source but when we experience we experience the power of availability when we see ourselves as the vessel it's a long sentence let's just make sure you get this before we move on the reason that we have this moment where we go i'm not enough i'm not adequate i'll never measure up i'm an imposter the reason we have that moment is because we believe the lie that we're the vessel. I mean, that we're the source. We have to be the one. Do I have enough money right now to give you what you need? Man, when, I start, when we started having kids, man, I, like that whole pressure went way up. Like, as a parent, mom, dad, you're in the room. You feel that, right? It's like, oh, I've, I've got to provide for them. And we had twins right off the bat, right? It's like, oh, my God, help me provide for these. We just doubled our family size. We had to trade in our white Chevy Corsica to get a minivan. Saddest day of my life because the double stroller took up the entire trunk of the Corsica. Like every expense went up. And you start to feel this anxiety of, will I be enough? And that's just providing financially. But then you start to get along with the Lord and like, will I be enough as a father? <laughs> Probably wasn't, sorry. <laughs> Tried. Will I be enough as a husband in this season? Will I be enough? And, and then for me, total honesty and transparency, God calls you into the ministry. You get to hold the microphone and, and actually talk to people who you're actually looking at me and listening to me. And I start to feel that pressure. Will I be enough? Will I be adequate? Can I provide what you need? And none of you have ever said this to me, but I'm going to tell you right now, like, I don't know any pastor who likes to hear somebody say, I'm leaving the church because I just don't get fed. Listen, there are seasons when we don't feel like we're getting fed. Yes? Have you ever felt that way? 
I'm the pastor, and I feel like that, right? So I don't take it personally like you're like you would be mad at me if you said it, but on the inside, it's like the enemy can just grab that and go, see, see, you weren't enough. We all struggle here. All of us struggle with I'm not enough. And and I would just say this, it's because we begin to believe the lie that we are the source. But when we see ourselves as a vessel, y'all. God takes one end of our lives and hooks it into him, and he is limitless. We're going to see that as we go through this morning. His power is limitless, and he pours that through us. That changes everything. It doesn't stop the enemy from chirping, right? Like, it, it just gives us truth to counteract the lie. Our not-enoughness is actually what opens the door for his enoughness. I don't even think those are words, but whatever. So, you, can I give you a bunch of scriptures? Just jot these down. I want you to see, like, I, and I just picked a, a, a handful. I want you to see how God, in his goodness, now check this out. He knows that our not-enoughness is going to open the door for his enoughness. So in his goodness, it doesn't feel like goodness when he does it, okay? So it's okay if you kind of groan like, Paul, you're crazy. I get that. It never feels good. But in his goodness, because he knows he's got to get us to the impossibility part so that he can start to move, he pushes us toward the limit of what we can do in order to get us to the beginning of what he can do. Okay? Here's some scripture to back that up. Abraham and Sarah, Genesis 18, 11. They're too old, right? The Bible, <laughs> the Bible does not even record that they said they were too old. That'd be one thing if it was like, by the way, um, I'm going to give you a son. And then they were like, yeah, but we're too old. The Bible says that they were too old and that Sarah was past the time of childbearing. They were just flat out too old. Moses, Exodus 4.10, called to communicate the plan of God to set his people free, can't speak. He's like, God, are you sure, sure, sure. I've driven some bad cars, y'all. I've driven up to churches to speak in bad cars. Like, nothing communicates the man of God's mighty power like driving up in a bad car. <laughs> it's just, Moses is called to communicate, like to say with power and authority, let my people go. And I'm not sure he said it like we read it. Because he said, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a good speaker. I stutter. Paul. Acts 8.1, Paul persecuted too many followers of Jesus. Acts 8.1 says that Paul was there holding the coats of people, giving approval as they stoned Stephen to death. I don't know what your testimony is. I don't think it's that. The disciples, this is one of my favorite stories. Um, Mark chapter 6, verse 37. 
the disciples are hanging out with Jesus. It's been a long day of ministry, and there's a whole bunch of people there. There's 5,000 men, which means there could have been anywhere from 15,000 to 20,000 actual people. And the disciples came to Jesus and said, they're hungry. There's a lot more of them than there are of us. And when they find out that we can't feed them, we're going to be in trouble. So Jesus, send them away so they can get something to eat. And Jesus, um, the, this, this story is in a lot of the Gospels. So if you put them all together, Jesus already knew what they had, right? Some fish and some bread. And Jesus, knowing what they had, so remember the story? He said to them, you give them something to eat. I've mentioned this story a couple times um, in the history of our church, but on my first trip to India, walking through, um, like, the, you can't even call them neighborhoods. They're just, they're, they're slums. They're just, like, cardboard for walls, right? Walking through these, like, this little walkway, the, the pastor, you've met Koshi, he was taking me back to visit with somebody that lived in that slum. And as we're walking back there, he's telling me the story about it. it's, it's, you know, it's just a daughter it's a, um, of a Hindu priest. And like there's, they've had all the, all the priests come in, all the Hindu priests, they've all come in. They prayed for them. They brought in shamans. They brought in anybody they could think of that was spiritual has come and prayed for this person to be healed. But I told them that you were here. <laughs> Thanks, Koshi. <laughs> really appreciate that. And he's like, we're going to go pray for, we're going to go pray. For God to heal. And so I was like, okay. And the whole time I'm praying all the way there that we're that when he said we're gonna pray, that he's gonna pray. And I'm just gonna do what y'all like to do. Like, hey Paul, you pray, and we'll be like, Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. It's a song, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. No, so we walk in and he he looks at me and says, Pastor, Pastor, come, Pastor, come pray. I was like, which which pastor's here? Is there another pastor here? I'm saying, like, am I the, well, I'm, I'm talking to a whole room full of people that aren't, like, pastors as a profession, but you are ministers. Am I the only one? People say, like, you're a pastor, you'll know. That imposter syndrome pops up. I'm like, oh, they're going to find out that I don't know the Bible as well as they think a pastor should. Or you ask, like, what, what's the church going to do? Oh, they're going to find out that I don't have, I don't have a plan like they think a, a real pastor should have. God, listen, God is the one pushing his people to their limit so that we can tap into his limitlessness. I did pray. The person was not healed as long as, while I was there. Maybe they were healed when I left. I'm used to that. I was the chaplain for a North Stanley High School football team. Back when I was a youth pastor, they asked me to come pray every game before the game, and we never won a game. I was not asked back. <laughs> it happens, I, I guess. By the way, they did win the first game of the next season when I wasn't praying. So, um, one, one more example. Peter and John at the temple, Acts chapter 3, I think it's verses 1 through 3. And this is another lesson I learned in India. So they're going into the temple, right? And there's a beggar there, and he says, um, 
silver, gold, give me something, right? Just as, and I see this, when you're in India, a place like that, you just can see it so vividly because this is everywhere. People just begging for money. And the Bible says that Peter and John said, silver and gold have we none, right? I just went King James there, didn't I? But what we do, but that is what we do have. We give to you, right? So we don't have any money, but what we do have, we'll give you. And they laid hands on him and he was healed. I remember one in India, like God, I was like, God, why is it that your power is so strong in this country and so weak in America? And he said, because America has silver and gold. Because if an American Christian had been walking to the temple and that person said, give me some money, we would have said, okay. And we would have given money to somebody who was still sick. But because they didn't have any money, they said, we don't have anything to give you like that. We've reached the end of our resources, the end of what we can do. But what we do have, the power of God will give you. They weren't the source, they were the vessel. Some hard things to think about. We're coming to the end. The greater our resources, the greater distance before we reach the end of them. But we will reach the end. Which is why, even when we're talking this, this morning, I thought, some of you in the room right now, you're, you're hearing what I'm saying, you're like, this is good. I don't know how it applies to me, but this is good. Good job, Paul. Way to go. You studied scripture. That's good. That's good. You're a real pastor. And you're teaching it, and it's going to be a shorter one, and that's awesome. But I'm not sure how it applies to my life. And I would just say, and I mean this like no judgment, nothing like that, just wholeheartedly. I would say, you're probably right. It, it might not apply to your life yet. But it will. Because if our God is good and he knows that his power is at the beginning of our, at the end of our strength, he's going to get us to that place so his power can be displayed. And so you don't have to feel bad about that, right? It's just like one of those things, take notes, put it in your back pocket and go like, okay, God, when I, when I need this, remind me of it. But there are some of you in this room, and this one's hitting. This message is hitting home because you're in a place where you're realizing that you are out of resources, that you... You are not enough. And no matter how hard you have tried to be enough, no matter how, how many podcasts you've, you've listened to, how many self-help books you've read, and, and I was telling you, there's nothing wrong with any of this stuff. But when we hit the end of who we are, the end of our resources, we don't turn to God first. We turn to a counselor, therapist. We unwind. We do so many things other than go to God. As our source. But at some point, we hit a place in our life where none of that stuff works anymore. It just doesn't quite take care of it. And I'm just submitting that our Father who loves us has helped us get to the end so that he can begin. You're the ones that are in the thin place right now because heaven's strength and heaven's resources are so very close to you. And here's why. I'm going to throw a bunch of scripture at you really fast, and then we're going to wrap it up. Luke chapter 1, we just came through the Christmas season. 
Um, Luke chapter 1, the angel appears to Mary and tells her that she's going to give birth. And this is what she says in verse 34. Luke 1, 34. But Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Can I just translate this, like paraphrase it? Mary said to the angel, I hear what you're saying, but it's impossible. I've never been with a man. And then the angel says in the next verses, all things are possible with God. He will do it. The angel answered her, verse 35, and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. For that reason also the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. For nothing will be impossible with God. And if you look at those verses, you realize that Mary did nothing. She got overshadowed by the power of God, and she gave birth to the Son of God. Women who have been pregnant. I'm not saying that what you did was nothing at all. Don't take my words out of I'm just saying that she brought nothing to the table. She was a vessel. First Thessalonians 5:24. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. His power is made perfect in our weakness. Three quick verses, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, but Paul, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. John 14, 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Same Greek word as adequate. Just show us the Father, and that will be enough. 2 Timothy 5, I mean, 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Can I just tell you this practically? If we give ourselves to God's grace and his presence and his word, we become vessels of his sufficiency. And that's all back to last week, right? Like, what's the input? What are we tapping into? If we're tapping into his grace, his, his power, his presence, his word, we become vessels. We become those people who regularly walk away from conversations and say, I don't know exactly what I said, but that really blessed those people. <laughs> Thanks, God, because I could never have come up with that on my own. I want to do uh, two things as we, as we close. If y'all can get that song prepared. Let me just say to our YouTube channel, it's very possible that we will lose you right now because copyright. Um, I want to encourage you, especially if you're here and you're um, in a season where you are keenly aware that you're not enough. I don't know what those seasons are like for you. I know for me, they usually involve loss. They usually involve disappointment, brokenness, the things that make us aware that we can't pull this off, right? We are not sufficient. There is only so much we can do. At some point, we reach the end of who we are. And I want you, I want to say, um, first I want to set up the song. When I was in college, I was dating somebody not named Wendy. 
And she broke my heart, y'all. She broke my heart. And um, she broke up with me, and I remember going to the lake. It was more like a pond at Wingate, and I sat, I sat on this, next to this tree, and I leaned against a tree all night long. This is a sad story. The sad stories were always because women break your heart, right, men? Yes. And so, like, there were these things called, um, I don't know if you heard these. They're, like, they're like about this big, and you could, like, they're, you could get, if they messed up, you get a pencil, and you could fix it. Oh, cassette tapes. That's what they're called, yeah. Um, I had a thing called a Walkman. Um, they, they had, like, you plugged it in, and you played a cassette, and then you had, like, these awesome, awesome headphones that, like, they had, like, red fuzzy things. They looked like earmuffs with metal. Um, but I sat at the tree, and I, and I put those on. I pulled a hood up over my head, and I, and I, and I hit play on my Walkman, and I just started listening to one of my favorite artists. He's, he's struggling to make it as an artist, Stephen Kirsch Chapman. And this song that we're going to end this morning with is what I listened to. And as I was listening to it and as I was crying and I was telling God, I'm never enough, I'm never enough, nobody's ever going to love me. You can sob story, I know all that stuff. But I was feeling it in the moment. I mean, it was a true loss for me. And I remember God said, he spoke so clearly. Have you ever heard the voice of God? Some of y'all are like, can I take this literally? I don't know. But I know that I was, I was sitting there. I know that whether I heard his audible voice or I sensed it in that knower part of our soul where we know he's speaking, he said, and I will never forget these three words. Wait, four words. Whew. I had to do the math real quick. Look at the duck. <laughs> wow, God, that's not what I was expecting, but I so appreciate you leading me right now in this moment. I was like, what? And he said, look at the duck. So I looked up, and I looked out at the pond, and, and there was a duck, <laughs> almost like your God. So I looked over here, and I saw the duck on one end of that pond, and I was like, Awesome. My heart's still smashed. I'm still crying. I don't, I'm never going to be enough. I'm not going to make an impact. I'm just, I'm a nobody. And he said, watch the duck. Sweet. You're having too much fun with this, aren't you, God? Yeah. And so I watched this duck, and it just keeps going across the pond. And so I, you know, I'm obeying God, right? I'm watching the duck. And one of my halfway across, three-fourths, I was like, okay, this is awesome, God. What are we doing? He said, look at the wake. Okay, so I looked at, at the water behind the duck. It's like, yeah, it's just awake. <laughs> what are we doing, God? He said, but look back where the duck started. And look back at that wake. The further you got from that duck, the wake was just covering the whole pond. And he's like, you're here, Paul, but someday you're going to be here. And my strength is going to be made perfect in you. And the wake, the impact of your life has really very little to do with you. It has to do with you just faithfully following me. Brokenhearted, though you are right now, you just faithfully follow me. And someday you'll look back and see the wake behind you is bigger than it is right behind you. Y'all, we judge in the moment, but God is looking at a movement. He's going to use you. The key is this, allowing him to do it.
right where you are, not worrying about what could happen over there or how, many, how big will the church get or whatever, just being faithful where we are and letting his strength be perfect in our weakness. Before we play this song, I will tell you this. One of the greatest things about, follow, about leading this church is that you do this all the time. You do things for God. You allow him to move through you even when you feel weak. How do I know? I know because we have this thing outside called the blessing box. Have you seen it? That it feels like we fill it every day. I know that Miss Kelly probably does feel like she fills it every day. And then the next day it's empty. <clears throat> I was, we were meeting this week and John was telling me, John's our CFO, he was telling me that last year, we, make sure I get this right, John, we gave away in alms. You know what alms are? We gave away in alms 5% of all the revenue that came in to this church. Now, before you clap, I want you to hear this. We gave to missions way more than that. So a lot of churches will say, we tithe. We don't, no, we don't do, we just give way more. But 5% of the whole year's revenue was given to people that we don't even know. It's like, oh, you have a need? Here. God's been, he's blessing us. Yeah, how can you do that? We don't, uh, just look around the room. Let's play a game called Spot the Millionaire. <laughs> no, please, point them out. I like to talk to them. I mean, I find myself saying to God, like, through us? Wait, there's no way you did that through us. God, we, I know us. What? He's like, but my strength is made perfect in your weakness. I will always, Paul, push you and the gathering to the edge of what you can do so that I can begin to do what you can't. And that comes from people who are like, okay, I'm not going to be the source. I'm going to be the vessel. And so as we listen to this last song, and who knows how this is going to go, right? You never know. This could be the greatest moment with God or it could be a train wreck. But what I kept thinking was, I know that as I've been talking, there are some of you in the room, and, and you're just like, I really want him to stop talking because I really want to spend some time with the Lord. And I just want to say to God again, like, I'm hurting, I'm broken, I'm in this place, it's very thin, but I'm, it's thin because I'm aware of my limitation, and now I'm asking you to pour your limitless power into me. And he'll do it. So we're going to flash back to college days. Why don't you just close your eyes? And I want you to imagine yourself sitting next to a tree. You got the headphones on. You're so aware of your weakness. And we're just going to hit play on that Walkman. And I pray that the words of this song would minister to you right now the same way they did. <laughs>
access to show no glory of my own yet in my weakness he is there to let me So I want to give the body a chance to be the body. And if you've been 
just listen to that and the words are resonating with you. If you're here and you feel weak, and again, we don't like to talk about that in church because we're all about power and overcoming. And I guess I just want you to see that these moments are part of that. He overcomes through us. And you're not alone. So if you're here and you are in that thin place of weakness, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand. Say, that's me. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah. God, you see the hands that were raised. And right now, just... Just that simple act of putting our hand up and saying, that's, that's me. Man, your spirit is just rushing to their side. You're invading their heart. You're invading their soul with the power of heaven. And we thank you that we are vessels of unlimited resources. You, you pour through us and pour through us and pour through us. And yet we come to the end of ourselves, but there's never an end of you. I pray, God, that you would remove the pressure and striving that comes from trying to be the source. Oh, and I don't just pray that for the people that raise their hands. God, I pray that for our church. I pray that as the leader of this house, that you would set us free from this lie that we have to be the source, that we have to make church good. That we have to see that people get healed. God, you just call us to be vessels. To lay our hands on the sick and pray. To give what we can. To serve where we can. God, give us the freedom, the power that comes from just being available to be your vessel. And then, God, I say pour your power through us. In a way that people forget our name but remember yours. In a way that people are like, what church was that again that told me about Jesus? Because we want to make you famous in Albemarle. Whether people ever come here or not, we are living for a greater kingdom. An uncontainable kingdom that will always outgrow what we can contain. And so we just say, God, bust out the walls break open the windows bring that tsunami of your spirit in this place that we would be like those wells that just the water just springs up and bursts out and that our city would be refreshed because of how you pour your power through us we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus Amen